0: This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment.
1: What's up? What's up, everybody? Ricky Whitmer here, along with the one, the only Brandon it's Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And we are back for this is a bonus edition. I know I teased it earlier because originally we were going to do both of the NBA and the NFL big boards in one night. Couldn't do it. Couldn't get it done. So we did the NBA one. We're now doing the NFL one now. This is Wednesday night. We're recording this, so you guys get it. This week, a little later, twice is nice for the primetime podcast, the college sports podcast here on MVP. Before we get into our big board, got some housekeeping. First off, get ours out of the way. We got patreon.com backslash mostval podcast. That's how you help support the channel, get some different tiers. That link down below in the description. Also, if you want an MVP t shirt, the store link for MVP is also down in the description. If you want to catch all the stuff we're putting out, com is where you go. That's where you get everything. Audio podcasts, videos, everything right there at mostvalpodcasts.com. And then the last thing is go on to iTunes. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you listen on iTunes, you're listening on your iPhone, go ahead and give the Primetime Podcast a five-star rating. It would mean the world to both Brandon and I. But, Brandon, before we get into everything, have got to give... A special shout out and some special thoughts to friend of the show, Mo Hurst, who every time we've said his name, either on a mock draft, on a big board, we say friend of the show, Mo Hurst, because Mo was gracious enough to come on the show, talk a little about Michigan football. But the big news out of the combine was that Mo Hurst, same heart condition that I believe it was Star Latouille. Um, had not—doesn't end the career, but still a scary situation. So Brandon and I, MVP, all wish Mo Hurst the best. We want to see nothing but the best. But here's—I got a little thing, and I'm taking this from a podcast that I listen to and kind of funny, and they do a thing on their morning show called Sweet Nasty Love. I want to do the same thing right now. So if you're sitting there, open up a new tab, go to your Twitter— you're going to go ahead and tweet at Mo Hurst Jr. Go give Mo some sweet, nasty love. Just go ahead and just type something nice to Mo Hurst. Give him some sweet, nasty love. Let him know that we're all here with him and we're all here. Everything we do, we're all here together. So taking it from kind of funny. We're giving Mo some sweet, nasty love here before the podcast. But Brandon, let's move into our big board and how we do it. We start from the bottom. We go to the top. On YouTube, it's split up into three segments. If you're listening on audio form on podcasts around the world, you get it full in its entirety. Before we get into what we're going to talk about, how about we start with you. Start at 25. Give us your 16 through 25, starting at
0: the bottom. Well, to start things off, at number 25, I've got Shaquem Griffin. you got to put him there. <laughs> After his showing, you got to put Shaquem Griffin at number 25. Outside linebacker, UCF. At 24, I've got Connor Williams, offensive tackle with Texas. At 23, I've got Sony Michelle, running back, Georgia. At 22, Josh Jackson, cornerback from Iowa. At 21, I've got Calvin Ridley, wide receiver, Alabama. At 20, Harold Landry, outside linebacker, defensive end, Boston College. At 19, I've got Mo Hurst, defensive lineman, Michigan. Friend of the show, Mo Hurst. Friend of the show, Mo Hurst. Excuse me. At 18, I've got Darius Geis, Ryan back LSU. At 17, I've got Cortland Sun wide receiver, SMU. And at 16, I've got Marcus Davenport, defensive end, UTSA.
1: Well, now just going right into mine, it's starting out the same place that Brandon did. Shaquem Griffin, the outside linebacker from the national champion, Central Florida Golden Knights. Then at number 24, cracking the list for the first time in my big board, Adam Lazar, the wide receiver from Iowa State. Funny thing about him, someone in the comment section way early on, like big board one, was like, hey, watch out for Adam Lazar. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I watched some film, saw him at the combine, said, yeah, this kid's for real. Put him at 24 in my big board. Then 23, Mike Hughes, cornerback from national champion Central Florida. Then 22, Mike McGlinchney, the Offensive tackle, almost that outside tackle, offensive tackle from Notre Dame. 21, Josh Jackson, the cornerback from Iowa. At 20, Calvin Ridley, the wide receiver from another national champion, Alabama Crimson Tide. 19, Durham bringing the pain from that same Alabama team. Defensive tackle. Another Alabama player, Rashawn Evans, inside linebacker at number 18. 17, we've got the FSU safety, Derwin James, and then at number 16 wide receiver from SMU, Cortland Sutton. And, Brandon, first thing I want to talk about, first person I want to hit, the guy who's basically, I know he didn't have the fastest 40-yard dash, but he stole the show at the combine. 4.3840, did 20 reps with a prosthetic arm, and had a broad jump of 117, Shaquem Griffin. He's at 25 in both of our big boards. I want to ask you this. He's a guy where early on before the Combine, people said fourth, fifth round. Now, there are, if you gather everything together, people are saying, oh, second and third. Why? I'm t- I'll tell you why I did it, but you tell me first why did you put Shaquem Griffin, basically 25th best player, in your draft?
0: Well, the reason why I put him there is for a number of reasons. Number one, because of what he was able to do in the bench press. With a, pres- with a prosthetic arm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's guys that can't do that with two perfectly. Hello, I'm one of them. You know, good working. I can't even get one. Arms can't and hands. I can get one. And for him to do that, it doesn't just show that he's got tremendous strength. Mm-hmm. But it shows that he's got great heart. And I think that that's another thing that a team wants to be able to see. That they not only have someone who is a an, an elite athlete. And has great athleticism and has great strength, but also has great heart. That's going to go out there. That's going to hustle for them. That's going to work for them. That's never going to quit for them on the field. And now at the end of the day, do I think that Shaquem Griffin is going to be taken in the first round? Probably not. Mm-hmm. I but do. I, but do I think that he, certainly with what he did in terms of the bench press, mm-hmm. his jump, his his 40 time, ev- all of that combined together and then just knowing what he's working against, mm-hmm. it's just, it's a, its tremendous heart for me in my opinion. That's why I put him where I put him because he deserves that that spot, that recognition.
1: Well, and I mean, I'm the same way. Everything that you said, same thing goes into my answer, but just to elaborate on a little bit, and I know what some people are going to think, so... ESPN plays they their usual, like, inspiration piece. Whenever you get a story like Shaquille Griffin, ESPN does the, like, inspirational piece to get you going, get you feeling good, get you feeling good about the story. After hearing it, though, like, the story that he's had to go through where basically the whole thing with having the hand when he was four and being in his kitchen saying, I can't take the pain anymore, I just want to take a knife, and cut the thing off. Basically making the decision at four years old to say, hey, you know what, I'm getting this thing amputated. I can't deal with it, get it amputated. Then in college, because him and his brother, I believe his brother is in the NFL now with the Seattle Seahawks. In college, though, the coaching staff that was there before Scott Frost would not give him the chance. It was basically like he said, he's like, I felt like, okay, you only recruited me. To get my brother. You did not recruit me to get me. You recruited me and signed me so that my brother would come on to Central Florida. But then Scott Frost comes in, new coaching staff. They give him that chance. The season that he had this year, the what he was able to do at the Combine. I agree 110% with Von Miller. Basically, they asked Von Miller on first first take. He goes, I, want, I would love to have Shaquem Griffin on my team. And they go, how high would you take him? And he goes, you know, it's probably a good thing I'm not in the draft room come draft day because he's like, I would take him as high as I could just to get him on my team just because of the guy you're going to get along with the player. Like, he's going to be, whatever team he goes to, he is going to be a great locker room guy on top of a guy that will give you 110% on the football field. All you got to do is give him a chance. That's all you have to do. That's what Scott Frost did, and look at what he was able to do. The talent speaks for itself at the Combine. That's a little bit, I feel like we're on the same page, why we both put him at 25. However, let's move on to the next guy we're going to talk about. Cornerback from Iowa, Josh Jackson. What are you thinking about Josh after the combine coming into our third big board of the season? He
0: did not have the combine that he wanted to. Uh-uh. Uh that's, you know, certainly what uh what I can say and and I was very high on him, I actually before like kind of before coming into the combine, mm-hmm. I think I had him as my number 1 cornerback uh to go here in the draft. And he he certainly has fallen from where he was, I think, on big board number one to mm-hmm. where he was at big board two, and and this is now big board three for the for the NFL. So, um, you know, he comes in, he's six foot one ninety six, and people said, uh, and and Mike Mayock was one of those guys who said, okay, if he's in the four four fours in the forty, he's gonna be okay. Well, he runs an unofficial. 448, Mm -hmm. I think it was, or a 446. Let's see what it was. It was, no, it was actually a 449 second sprint. Mm -hmm. But then it turns out the official time was Mm 4.56. And then he ran it again and it was 4.6. So that starts to get into the position of, are you going to be able to keep up with the elite wide receivers? Are mm-hmm. you going to be able to do that? And I know that it's I, I know some people may say, well, man, that's so ticky tacky. What's four point what's four four versus four five or four six? Well, a touchdown and being burnt for oh. one. And, and and that's and that honestly is mm-hmm. enough. For a team to say, "Mm, maybe I'm not going to take him as high as I would have uh, previously.
1: And that's the thing. When you looked at me, and I I don't want to say the 40 puts into everything that goes on, but like you look at from where I was at the beginning. At the very beginning, let's see, number first big board, I had Josh Josh Jackson at 21. You had him at 20. Then if we look to big board 2.0, I had him at 20 you had him stay right pat at 20. And now we get to the third one. He's gone back down to 21 for me. And he's gone down to 22 for you. So really he hasn't done enough to jump up. And the thing that with the 40 that I'll get to with it is two things. First off, before the combine Todd McShay put out kind of like a guide to the combine, like red flags, what's outstanding. And for the cornerback position, what he says they usually look for. So he was at a 4.56 officially. Well, a red flag is 4.64. So he's okay there. He's not a red flag. The five-year average, the average of the last five years of the Combine, is a 4.52. So you're just below average. So the thing I look at is that you're not outstanding, so I shouldn't take you in basically the non-playoff teams, what would be the lottery for the NBA. I shouldn't take you there. However, if I'm late enough in the first round, I can start to think about you. One question I want to ask you about Josh Jackson, though. Tape don't lie. People are going to say, look to the tape. That's the real thing you want to look at. But what if at Iowa's pro day, he goes ahead and runs a 4-4 or a four-four-eight? Then are you saying, okay, I'm using that time or the combine time? Would it change your mind if he runs a faster time at Iowa's pro day?
0: Well, it would make me more comfortable knowing that he can do it, but I don't think that you could then, after what he ran, and and you could say that you know maybe it was a, a bad day, maybe he just didn't get mm-hmm. a good run. I think that for anyone, and certainly someone, I, I understand that that's not like a a, a long run, yeah. but for anyone who's running, any runner, no, they so, go out there. It's so a so long
1: so, run th- for me. They maybe. They,
0: <laughs> they just don't always have the best day. I get yeah. it. So I'd almost look somewhere in between the two of them then. At that point, I'm not. Fully going in on okay, he's a four four mm-hmm. runner consistently, but I'm not also saying that oh he's he's a four five. He's got to, he's then somewhere mm-hmm. right there in the middle. But uh a comparison for Josh Jackson would be to how about Marcus Peters? Uh similar in build and size, Peters ran a four five three forty. He was mm-hmm. a late first round pick, he had nineteen interceptions in three seasons. Uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs, in his first three seasons with the Chiefs, and he was one of the elite corners. Mm -hmm. Now, if Jackson's able to be anywhere near and similar to what Peters is, you're going to get yourself a really good cornerback, and you're going to get yourself a really good playmaker, and that, you have to remember, is what Josh Jackson is and was in college, especially for Iowa with what... He was doing when he's you know playing teams like um, Ohio State, and he has three interceptions in a game against Ohio State, the game where they blew Ohio State out this past season. Josh Jackson was the big playmaker in that one, so there shouldn't be a question. We shouldn't say, okay, with a bad uh, or a poor 40 time, he's no longer a good playmaker. No. That's, that's not true. He can still make the plays. He can still hang with the best of them, but... If he's not going to, if he doesn't have that elite quickness, is he going to be an elite cornerback? Because is he going to, is he going to get burned? You know, is he, is he going to be, you know, is he going to be the Eli Apple uh, Mm -hmm. of this, of this next draft? Because Eli Apple really struggled this past season. I think everyone, you know, realizes that. But also, those are, again, two different, completely different players, but, um, that's just it. Goes to show again with you know even a forty time and a, a difference of a couple of of seconds or points uh, of a second, mm-hmm. um, it, it it certainly makes a, a difference in the mind of a GM, a scout, and in a team.
1: Well, and the thing that I just wanted to go off of, it's not just like you said, it's not just the forty. Let's look at the whole picture really quick, just to, before we go into the wide receivers for the for the. Drills at the combine The Todd McShay put the cornerback one on because it's important. So we already talked about the 40. He's slightly below average. At the vertical jump, he had a 38. He's slightly above average. He's basically 38 is what he had. 40 is outstanding. The average is 35.8. So he's right in the middle between outstanding and average. So I'm, we're going to slot him at above average. His 20-yard shuttle outstanding for a cornerback is 3.95 the five-year average is a 4.19 he ran a 4.03 yet again right in between outstanding and average above average and that's a drill that's going to for a cornerback that is what I want to look at because that judges your reaction time your reaction speed all right he's above average he's not a lost cause basically Broad jump, doesn't have it down, although he did a one, two, three. The three cone, he had a 6.86. However, that's not there for a cornerback. The only other one he has for a cornerback is the bench press. The average the last five years, 14.5. Outstanding is 20.9. Josh Jackson had 18 on the dot. So, I mean, all the other things besides that 40, above average. So we'll have to wait until March twenty sixth to see how he runs that forty.
0: And again, that's why I think that you can knock him on the forty a little bit, but you can not knock mm-hmm. him overall. That's yeah. why you have to keep him still in your in your first round in your top twenty five players. Because I like that
1: vertical jump. Like hey, give me somebody who can jump up yeah. and can test the wide receiver at the highest point.
0: Yeah, I mean that's there's there's more than just mm-hmm. One dimension of yeah. your game, or at least there should be if you're mm-hmm. going to be one of the good elite uh, cornerbacks. And that's something that I still think that he can be. i, I you know, I dropped him obviously two spots mm-hmm. because of the forty, but that's uh, truly, I don't think that's anything. It's not like I dropped him seven spots mm-hmm. or something like that. I still think that he can be elite,
1: well, I mean, you also got to look at it. There were guys like, I'm trying to look for you where you might have had him, like, for example, In your 2.0, you didn't have Marcus Davenport. He's at 16. That's a guy that's going to bump Josh Jackson back. There were, I'm trying to see if you had anyone else that could have bumped him, maybe like a Moe Hurst or a Harold. Yeah, like a Harold Landry took a little jump for you. So it's like guys rise, and that's another thing with these big boards. It's not necessarily you fell because you did anything. It was just, hey, I'm going to put you stationary. Oh, wait, but this guy rose a little bit. Okay, you go down one. All right, now this guy rose a little bit. All right, now you're going down another thing. That's kind of the yin and yang of how this all
0: works. Yeah.
1: But let's move on into the last thing we were going to talk about for this first chunk, and that's the wide receivers. And there's one guy in particular I want to start with, but then kind of bring everything in on this, because both you and I have a combined three wide receivers In this bottom group, we all have Cortland Sutton, Calvin Ridley, and then I have Alan Lazar, who is also there as well. And the guy I want to start with is Calvin Ridley, because this was a guy, looking back to Big Board 2.0, I had him at 14, you had him at 12. Going back all the way to our first Big Board, I had him at 11, you had him at 12. So... This is a guy who is now falling about eight to nine spots from one all the way to big board three. At the combine, what he ran, what he did, what his results was, a 4.340, a a 4.4340, 15 bench press, 31 vert jump, 11.10 broad jump, 6.88 cone drill, and a 4.41 20-yard shuttle Brandon after the combine after everything you're starting to see more as we start to dissect Calvin Ridley a little bit what in your mind justified the fall that we've seen from big board two now to big board
0: three well, it's that he's still a really good wide receiver and I think that he'll be a, a, a certainly a playmaker and an impact maker on any team, but I just don't know if he's the number 1 wide receiver for a team. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why I guess I I saw him fall in my big board is because he I, you know, I hate knocking guys for size, but you know, he's Wes Welker was never a number 1 wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, guys like that they're they're not they're not necessarily your number one wide receivers, um, and that's that's where with Calvin Ridley, he's more of your. And I hate using this comparison because I don't really think this guy's all that great. Um, he's more your Ted Ginn. He's more mm-hmm. he's going to get you down the field. Hopefully his hands are better. Yeah. Um. And I think they are. They can't be worse. But I I, I think that that's where Calvin Ridley is a guy who brings you ex- excellent explosiveness. Um. He's got great acceleration. He's got great long speed to get down the field. Those types of things are going to make him. What he will be for the team and that he's going to be that deep threat and mm-hmm. a team that needs that deep threat is going to want him. But they and, and, and we've talked about this so many times when a team wants that number one wide receiver, they're thinking they're looking for that 6-2, that 6-3, that 6-4 guy that so many teams have started to go after and look at as their number one. Calvin Ridley is still going to be a really good receiver, but I just don't know if he'll be able to be that number one, and and I do think that size is holding him back because of that.
1: The thing I love most is the comparison that they have for him, unless they changed it on the draft profile for NFL.com, because let me throw this out. I'll get your first reaction of how you think about it. The guy that they compare him to is Marvin Harrison. The wide receiver that was with the Colts for so many years. Cause they're the same size. Marvin Harrison, six foot one eighty five is a wide receiver. The thing though that you gotta think about, wow, that's a really good pro comparison. It'd be great if Calvin Ridley was about twenty years before his time. Like if he was coming up nineteen ninety eight to two thousand and six, all right, you're the number one wide you can be a number one wide receiver because the game was different. The game of football wasn't like it is now. Now you've got, I can't remember who who they were talking to on NFLlive.com. I think it was, or it was NFL Live on ESPN. I think it was Graziano who said this. And he goes, the NFL game has changed so much that like on defense, when you're looking at a safety, you now have to get a safety who's got the size and the height to go man-to-man with a tight end who can come up and play a man-to-man on a Gronkowski, on a Kelsey, on a on a guy who is playing tight end because of what they are. Like tight ends aren't just, Hey, you know what? Go and block. Hey, we might throw you the ball on an out route. Tight ends are now, Hey, we're going to push the ball down the field in this passer league. And just to kind of do the same thing that we did for Josh Jackson with, when it comes to wide receiver, an elite outstanding 40 is a four, four 40. He is just below that. So he is, above average, close to outstanding on his 40. On his vertical jump, which nowadays you're looking at because I want that number one wide receiver who can go up and get the ball. The outstanding is 40. The five-year average is 35. The red flag is 32. He got 31. It's a red flag for me. Like that, like in this day and age, it's you're fast, that's good. That's why Ted Ginn, I kind of like that comparison too, because Ted Ginn's not a guy who's gonna jump and get the ball. He's gonna use his speed to get open. But in this today's today's NFL, if my number one wide receiver, I need to go on the outside, go one on one and know you're gonna meet it at the highest point and be able to jump high. That I don't really like. Then you go to the shuttle that's mostly defensive positions there. Um for the broad jump, McShea has an outstanding is a 124, 124, The average is 120, red flag is 109, his was 110. Again, another jumping drill. And I know this one isn't for height, but that is also you're in that range where you're you're kind of skating that red flag area and then the last one they have a wide receiver numbers they don't even have the bench press down even though he did only 15 of them that's the thing with calvin ridley is is all of this again like we said for josh jackson is it make or break at the combine no but these are things that we're going to dissect and we're going to look at and go hey you know what If you can't go up there and I don't think you can be that number one wide receiver who can get the ball at the highest point, then why should I draft you as high as we thought or let you slide and just see if you're waiting for me later in the draft?
0: Well, and the reason why he could still actually be taken fairly early is because it's a really poor um, Mm -hmm. wide receiver class. And he is one of the best wide receivers in what is relatively a weak wide receiver class. So mm-hmm. he's got, and he's, again, he's got, I mean, he's got the skills. He's got the speed. He's got the route running ability. You know, that's, that says a lot. And it's I think just that the, that, it's that, just speaks, the hops. that that speaks volumes. And we shouldn't, again, we shouldn't, ju- just like with uh, Josh Jackson, we shouldn't just knock him because of a 40 time. Yep. We can't just knock, um, uh. Calvin Ridley because he's not going to be the most elite uh, mm-hmm. jumper. Uh, another guy that I want to kind of bring up as a as a comparison to him, guy who was five ten, so a little you know shorter than what uh, Ridley is. Lee Evans, Lee Evans for Buffalo. That was a guy who could get down the field, had some really good speed, mm-hmm. had some good bursts, and just looking at his stats, that Lee Evans had. He his career was two thousand four to twenty eleven. Uh. So, in his first two years, 48 catches, 843 yards, then 743 yards. Nine TDs, then seven TDs. His best season was 2006, 82 catches, over 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns. I could see a Calvin Ridley as that, something like that, that being like a cap for one of Mm -hmm. his best seasons. But if he could typically have a, like a, sixty to sixty-five reception uh season, over a thousand yards, five touchdowns, that's pretty good. What about what about him becoming the team's uh golden Tate? You know, because Golden Tate, he's not going to he he's gonna put up good numbers, but he's a smaller guy. He's your over the middle type of guy. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, not necessarily your deep threat. that that seems to be more Marvin Jones uh mm-hmm. when it comes to that. But I mean route running, that's Golden Tate's thing. So there's a lot of comparisons of what are good receivers. Golden Tate, good receiver. Lee Evans was a good receiver. I I think that Calvin Ridley's going to be just fine, but he's going to be what he is. He's not going to be that and I would I I don't think he's going to be that elite wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. He's going to be a good receiver, but I don't think he's going to be an elite wide receiver because he's not going to be able to go up, match up against a cornerback. He's 6 foot 189 and the cornerback is going to be, mm-hmm. you know, the same size, maybe bulkier, and that's going to be tougher for Calvin Ridley, which is why he's going to win those with with superb route running and speed.
1: Well, and that's why I want to bring in the other wide receivers now. So let's look at... I'm going to throw some out, throw some combine numbers out there for you guys at home. So we just looked at Calvin Ridley's. Let's look at the guy that both you and I had above Calvin Ridley on this big board, Cortland Sutton. He's a guy that's 6'3", 218. Bigger and taller than Calvin Ridley. So he's got the height on him. When it came to the 40-yard dash, he ran a slower 40 he had a 4.54 which if we're looking at the baseline of what we've been doing that puts him right around average a 4.53 for wide receivers has been average puts him right there around the average mark slightly below average if we're going to be technical then the vertical jump a 35 is average he got a 35.5 yet again right there average slightly above average for Cortland Sutton. And then the last one, the broad jump, 120 is average, 124 is outstanding. He had 124, so he's in that outstanding range. So for me, when I looked at Cortland Sutton, this is why I put him ahead, is not knocking Ridley completely for the combine, but now my questions, I'm having a little bit more questions of who would I rather have, if I had one pick, And I needed a top-wide receiver, a guy to be my number one. Who do I want? A guy like Calvin Ridley, who my question is, can he go up and get the ball? Or a guy like Corton Sutton, who, yeah, might be a tenth slower on the 40, but has three inches on, two to three inches, depending on where you look, and can jump higher than Calvin Ridley. That's why Sutton, to me, is ahead of Ridley Right now in our three why did you put him and, above? And,
0: and where I am with that is that Cortland Sutton again 6'3", 218, three, two eighteen. He's got the tools. With those tools being his size, his mm-hmm. athleticism, being able to go up contest the catches. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people have uh, compared him to the the Brandon Marshall type, and uh, it's you a know, good comparison and, and, and that's to compared to, and that's a that's yeah, that's a good thing. So those are the the tools that he certainly has, mm-hmm. but. He's not a finished product. Yes. Whereas I, I look at Calvin Ridley. You think of him what, more what as a you, finished product? What you product? see is what you're probably going to get with Calvin mm-hmm. Ridley. What you see right now with Cortland Sutton is hopefully not what you're going to get from him in year two, in year three, and beyond. So so he's me, not he's not done yet. Let I mean me he's ask He's still you got this. some things to, to learn and even get better on. Let me
1: ask you this, though, and this might play into why you put him above Ridley is because of what you just said, that would mean his ceiling is higher than Calvin correct. Ridley. Correct. And that's why you have him higher than correct. Ridley right now. Yes,
0: correct. And because again, like I like I mentioned, he's got he's got more room to mm-hmm. grow, uh, meaning that he may not be he's not that finished product. He's not as polished, mm-hmm. but he does have the 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 ceiling that's higher.
1: I got three more guys. I'll give these three guys what they did at the combine, then we'll talk about them and then move on. So The next one, 5'11", wide receiver, James Washington. For the 40, ran a 4.54, same as Cortland Sutton. Right around average for a wide receiver. Then if we go to the vert jump, he had a 34.5. That is .5 below average, so slightly below average, the other side of where Cortland Sutton was. Then if we go to the broad jump... He was at a 120, which is right on dot for the five-year average for the wide receiver position. Then moving on, another guy that we've talked about before, the 5'10 wide receiver from Texas A&M, Christian Kirk, 4.4740. So a faster 40 than the average that we've seen with the last two guys that we've had. However, he's not quite. He's just .07 below that outstanding, but he's closer to it. Then the vert jump, he had a 35.5, same boat as Cortland Sutton. You're slightly above average. And then on the broad jump, he had a 115, which is slightly below average. And the last receiver I have is the guy who cracked my big board for the first time, Alan Lazard, who... If we're looking at height, 6'5", the tallest of any of the guys out there. 6'5", 227, has an arm span of 32 and a quarter. And his 40, 4.55, so the slowest we've seen. But like we said, it's right on. It's slightly below the average of a 4.53 for the wide receivers. But you look at the other ones. You look at the vert, 38, the closest we've seen. I believe he tied Cortland Sutton. The closest we've seen to that outstanding of a 40 and then on top of it the broad jump he was at 122 which is in the middle right between the outstanding of 124 and the 120 this is a kid then also looking at him catch balls at the combine this was a kid that I'm like I looked at and I went Give give me a little bit more. Give me like a little bit more time to dive into some tape, and he could be my top wide receiver when I'm done with it. Like he has that potential to me to be the like him and Cortland Sutton to me have higher ceilings than Calvin Ridley.
0: Well, let me make just a couple of quick points about (laughs) uh, the receivers that you just talked about. So James Washington. I think uh, maybe He's
1: not on our big board.
0: No, I think he was in my first one. I I believe he was or I thought about putting him there because I, I li- he was at
1: ten on your first
0: one, so I I, I like him. Obviously, I think that and uh, then he was at he 11. was I think that he was really good um, when he was with uh, Oklahoma State. Yep. Obviously, you're going to be good when you're a wide receiver for and Oklahoma with the State. You have exactly, but he's really good at uh, getting. He's quick getting off the line. He can blow past cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. He's got really good downfield. Um, tools. And, uh, when I say tools, I mean, he's got good down, downfield speed. He's really, really good at going up in a jump ball situation. Even though he's only 5'11, he's, Mm -hmm. he's really competitive in those. Um, with Christian Kirk, uh, he's really dangerous with the football in his hands. Everyone knows that he's got good, uh, separation skills. So he's really, that, that's going to be one of the things I think that sets him apart is, Uh, what he's able to do to get away from defenders. And then with Lazard, I think that that's a a 6'5 guy. You just can't overlook that. You can't look past that. At 6'5, you got to get a little excited, and Mm -hmm. any team will.
1: Yeah, and that's why with me, I am already excited for Lazard. Like I said, right now I've got him at 24. I expect him to climb. I expect the more, because he's out of the wide receivers, the least amount of film I have watched, but... The more I dive into him, I'm already I'm already in. I just can't wait to watch more of it. But any final thoughts on any of the guys, maybe 16 to 25? Maybe we didn't mention that you want to throw in any of the guys we did talk about?
0: Um, I know we didn't talk about this guy, mm-hmm. and I don't want to talk about him now because we don't have time. Just but uh, I just want to quick, throw it out quick there. Quick snippet. Um, Sony Michelle. Uh-huh. I... I, I, I like him. I, I really do like him as a running back. I think that he's a he's a hard runner. He's aggressive. Mm-hmm. He's really good. And we he wasn't saw in the first he was, draft, and he was put he was put on display more so. I think um, towards the end mm-hmm. of his time uh, with with uh, Georgia, and <laughs> uh, he was fun to watch. And I think that that will translate to the NFL.
1: Well, this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think of sixteen through twenty five, and any of the guys. That we talked about in this range. But Brandon, let's move on into 6 through 15. If you're joining us on YouTube, welcome back. Or if you're watching the full podcast after all these segments have gone up. And if you're an audio listener listening to it all the way through, you are a champ after that first segment. <laughs> because Brandon and I just, we fucking went. We just we went and drove off. With the car. That was my driving Yes. of us kind of going away back to the future style. But Brandon, let's start with you before we get into who we're going to talk about for six through 15. Take us through this group for you, starting at the big one five.
0: And well, at 15, I've got Mike McGlinchey, offensive tackle from Notre Dame. At uh, 14, DeRon Payne, defensive tackle for Alabama. At 13, I've got Vita via, Vita Vea, Vita Vea, You know, tomato, tomato. I say that every time. <laughs> I, I cannot get this guy's name down. Uh, Vita Vea, defensive tackle from Washington. At 12, I've got Sam Darnold, quarterback from USC. Start the uh, mad USC fan rants now. Uh, at 11, I've got Derwin James, safety from FSU. At 10, I've got Baker Mayfield, quarterback of Oklahoma. At 9, I've got Tremaine Edmonds, uh, outside linebacker, Virginia Tech. VT. At number eight, I've got Quentin Nelson, um, offensive guard Notre Dame. Um, and then seven, I've got Josh Rosen, cornerback, quarterback, excuse me, UCLA. And at six, I've got Denzel Ward, cornerback OSU.
1: Well, and now going right into mine, you know what I noticed, though, before I go into mine? You know what I've been saying since we started this draft thing and no one's corrected me? What's that? I've been saying Mike McGlinchny. <laughs>
0: I just figured that was you saying it wrong. I was no, just kind of letting I, you go with it. You
1: like I heard you say Mike McGlinch McGlinchy.
0: McGlinchy. It's McGlinchy Because that's how it's spelled. Well
1: and I've been sitting there like you hearing you right now, I just thought to myself, crap, I've been saying it wrong the whole time and no one said like I have gone through what two mock drafts of this. Two Now three big boards of saying his name, because I said it in the last segment. I've gone through five total podcasts of saying Mike McGlinchney,
0: and no <laughs> one's corrected Well, sometimes you just have to learn on your own. Sometimes
1: right? you just got to learn on your own. But starting at 15, we'll go into mine, and uh, we'll start with Orlando Brown, the offensive tackle from Oklahoma Boomer Sooner. Then at 14, the edge from Boston College, Harold Landry. Number 13, and you're talking about start the mad USC rants. Start the mad UCLA rants is Josh Rosen, quarterback from the Bruins at 13. Marcus Davenport, the defensive end from UTSA. Number 11, Quentin Nelson, the offensive guard from Notre Dame. Number 10, Denzel Ward, cornerback from the Ohio State University. Then at number nine, Vita Vea, the defensive tackle from the Washington Huskies. Number eight, Tremaine Edmonds, outside linebacker, VT. Number seven, Sam Darnold, quarterback from the Trojans. And then at number six, Baker Mayfield, quarterback from Oklahoma. And the one I want to start with is Marcus Davenport. This is a guy that you had in your first segment. You had him at 16, but now we can talk about him because he's now off my big board I have him at twelve to me I want to say he was one of he was my second biggest riser I think Baker Mayfield was my biggest riser because Baker Mayfield went 11 spots from seventeen to six Davenport
0: got a little excited with Baker
1: we're gonna get to Baker um then Davenport went what nine spots from 21 to 12 so my second biggest riser. This is a kid from the combine that I just looked at what he's able to do, both film and at the combine, 22 on the bench press, 33.5 vert jump. The 124 broad jump, that's what I want. That's the big thing. Give me that low body strength so that when you're coming off the edge, you're pushing that offensive edge. You're pushing that tackle backwards towards the quarterback. That's what I want to see What have you thought about Marcus Davenport as he's beginning to rise on most people's boards?
0: Well, I think that uh, you can see from what you just said that he's got a really high ceiling. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think that it's interesting. Because the ceiling is not the roof. (laughs) Because I think it's interesting that you've got a draft, too, and which is why he is rising Mm -hmm. where there's not a whole lot of other guys like him. Not a whole lot of other guys that are as I think explosive at his position as an edge rusher, mm-hmm. um, and when there's it's a it's a year when there's really not a whole lot of guys like him in free agency for NFL teams to even go and get. Yes. So that's why I think it also helps him, uh, and and why it's helped him on on our big boards to rise to where he is to come into where he's at right now, mm-hmm. um, and to be the build that he has. Um it's it's a big guy. It's a big guy and it's a lot of strength and it's perfect for his position and he dominated in college because of it and it's going to be interesting to see what he's able to do in the NFL against NFL uh you know type guys because college to NFL is very much different. But he's got a lot of athleticism. He's got a lot of strength and I'm really excited to see what he's able to do. But like I said, again, when it gets to a point and it gets, and it's in its, in a year and in a season where there's not a whole lot of other options at this position, it certainly helps your case.
1: Now, here's the thing I want to ask you, because I'm going through his combine numbers with the chart that we got from Mr. Todd McShape before the combine. And I want to go through the numbers and then ask you what you think. So the 4.58 for a defensive end is better than outstanding. Outstanding's a 4.65. So he's almost to me obliterating what the outstanding is yeah. for an edge rusher off the edge. So you're good there. Then we go to the vert jump. He's right below or he's right above by like 0.3 <clears throat> the average mark. However, with a defensive end, I'm not really looking for how high that you can jump. Um when it comes to the shuttle He's at a, what was that, a 4.41, which is .03 quicker than the average. So I'm going to say he's around average on that one. The broad jump, 124, like I said, he's right on the mark with the outstanding mark, showing that lower body strength that he has. The three cone is probably his worst. He's right around average, three point two. 7.25 is the average. He's at 7.2 flat. And now this is the worst one, his bench press, 22, which is a full almost rep, lower than the average for a defensive end. So the thing that I'm thinking about now when I ask you is, of course, the numbers aren't everything. You got to look at the tape as well as film don't lie, as they say. But the thing I'm thinking about, tremendous lower body strength that we see in the broad jump. He's obviously quick, that's probably why. His legs are strong and he can get around the edge. But should teams worry, I know it's around average, but that 22 bench press, do you look at it and go, you know, it's just bulking up a little bit, getting a little stronger at the top one? Because you can be strong in the lower body, but if you can't have that upper body to push guys back and push offensive tackles back, then you're not going to be successful at the next level.
0: His size, his speed, his strength, that's what he's got. Mm -hmm. He's going to be just fine. I'm not worried. I mean, he did too well in so many other spots for me to have such a question about his strength, mm-hmm. because he was a you know a, a full rep under under average. So what? Here's I mean, that's that's kind of where I'm looking at it. Because if he's got the speed to beat guys mm-hmm. off the edge, he doesn't need to be <laughs> the biggest guy. Mm-hmm. He just needs to be able to be big and be able to get past them. Because that's number one. If he's already got the speed, he's already got a, a, a step on what a lot of guys don't have. Mm-hmm. So that's already working in his favor. This guy's built like a power forward. So he's he's a big guy. He's got he's got build. He's got muscle. He'll be fine.
1: Well, let me ask you this then. This is the last thing I'll ask you about Marcus Davenport. So both you and I have the same thing. Um different ranges, but when it comes to outside pass rushers, We both have Bradley Chubb, duh, who's number one in the pass rushers because we haven't said his name, and I'll spoiler alert, he's the only pass rusher in both of our top five. Then we both have Tremaine Edmonds as the second one, then uh, Marcus Davenport as the third one. Do you see as this draft process goes on, as we get closer to the draft, that's at the end of April, is there a high chance that, obviously he's not going to come close to Bradley Chubb, I think. Chubb will be the first pass rusher off the board but is there a high chance in your mind that maybe he climbs so high to where teams take him as a pass rusher over a Tremaine Edmonds from Virginia Tech?
0: I don't think so because I think that both of them are still uh, a work in progress Mm -hmm. and they both have some work to do before we see exactly what they're going to be so no I don't think that he's going to have so much where he jumps over the other I mean they could flip flop over each other Uh, you know, a couple of times before we finally get to, you know, draft day. But I don't think that we're going to see one significantly rise over the other because they're so similar. They're so similar. Mm -hmm. um, But uh, and they're so similar in the in the sense of they're not they're not done yet. You know, they're not a finished product. They they have high ceilings and there's still work to be done. But. That's why I just don't see that one's going to significantly rise over the other one right now.
1: Let's move on to the next guy we were going to talk about. A guy who, especially with the 40, talking about obliterating a time. Let's just go through Denzel Ward, cornerback from The Ohio State University. His 40-yard dash, .32. The outstanding mark for the Todd McShay put down, 4.4. So he's quicker than outstanding. He's even better than that. Um, When you go to the vertical jump, he's at a 39, one click off of the outstanding 40 mark that Todd McShay has down. When it comes to his 20-yard shuttle, he didn't run it. He'll probably run it at his pro day. The broad jump doesn't have a cornerback one down. Neither does the three cone. He didn't run it. Um, For bench press, he did 16, which is about one and a half reps above average from the five-year average for cornerback. What do you think about Denzel after the NFL Combine?
0: Well, he wasn't able to do everything because he (laughs) tweaked his ankle. Yeah, But I, I liked him a lot. I liked him a lot. I liked him so much that he flew by Josh Jackson, and he rose pretty darn high for me. And be- hold your horses. Okay, Don't get okay. too excited well, yet. I'm giving you, I'm but, pointing that finger, letting you know. I know you're, you're pointing that <laughs> finger and you're about ready to spread w- something I was, out.
1: I'm, I wasn't going to say at first I was going to be like, I'm giving you that finger. <laughs> I'm not giving you the finger. <laughs>
0: uh, no, but again, I mean, he's he's really similar to what it, build with Josh Jackson. He's mm-hmm. 5'10", 191, where Josh Jackson, I think, is what, six foot 190. So he's similar. Mm-hmm. But to have a four three, two forty I mean that's extremely impressive that's extremely impressive and to have that speed and that quickness to be able to keep up with those wide receivers and also to be able to have the you know the vertical to be able to go up there and contest balls uh that's that's huge to have both of those is really big, and to be able to shine on at at the combine that's another thing that's going to be. Uh, something that's looked at, and and people will really like that, and people have liked it. I mean, clearly you and I did. Mm-hmm. And I also think that when he does have his pro day and he's able to do the other drills, I think that's when we'll also get another uh, feel for him on – on those other couple of things, because I think March twenty second when he's going to do the day. the three cone the three cone drill the, the three cone drill th- that's a different one. There's the three cone and the three cone, <laughs> um, and then the twenty yard shu- uh-huh. uh, shuttle. So um, or almost, as you or as you said, said shuffle. the shuffle, <laughs> yeah, the shuffle. <laughs> I was like you almost said the shuffle. You've got to like do I the you've got to do the twenty yard shuttle and then the Super Bowl shuffle. <laughs> yeah, um, hopefully. Yeah, uh, the, they're both they're all important drills, <laughs> but uh, I, I think that once we see him do those, it's going to mm-hmm. give us a, a you know a better picture as well, but I've really liked what I what I've seen, especially with what he did at the combine.
1: Well, in his pro day, eleven a.m. on March twenty second is Ohio State's one, so we got a couple weeks before that. But the one thing I was gonna say is, looking at Denzel Ward, you through the process of a big board, you have probably been all over on Denzel Ward because I don't know if you're aware of this, but I'm gonna tell you. So big board number one. I had Denzel at 16, you had him down at 23. Then for big board number two, he rose a little bit for me, from 16 to 11. For Brandon, he went from 23 to not even on the board anymore, was not even there. Now for number three, he's rose one spot for me, he's in the top 10. Picture this pattern for you. 23 to not on the board to all the way to six. That's what he's done, and that's what he's been able to do, especially with this combine performance.
0: Well, you know, I, I think that it, again, and, you know, I'm probably. It's funny. I know, I, I, I've got to laugh at myself because I'm probably one of the most inconsistent people with. Uh, with where people can be on my board, because I could love you one day, hate you the next. I'm very much like that. Very mm-hmm. hot and cold on, on guys like that. But very hot on him right now. Um, I was very high on Josh Jackson. I believe Josh mm-hmm. Jackson, before Combine, everything like that, weeks ago, Josh Jackson is the clear-cut number one cornerback. And he's
1: just done one of these. He's just kind of stayed stagnant.
0: And with what Denzel Ward has done... And with certainly what he did on his combine day, he has shown a lot of really Mm -hmm. good things, certainly in terms of his speed, certainly in terms of his vertical jump. That's
1: the one thing I love most because he's 5'10 and can get up there to about 40.
0: You know, those things are huge when it comes down to being an elite, and that's what we're talking about, Mm -hmm. an elite cornerback in the NFL, and he's showing that right now. And that's why I think that I had to put him up where I did, and he makes that big leap because he's showed you something.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's move on. Last thing I want to talk about, not moving from a cornerback position to the quarterback position, because we had a ton of different stories to go off on. Is We had Baker Mayfield's. We're going to probably save Josh Allen. To the top five, because he's in the top five for both of us. Spoiler alert. But the guys in this range for us. I've got Rosen at 13, Darnold at 7, Mayfield at 6. You've got Darnold at 12, Mayfield at 10, Rosen at 7. Totally different storyboard for most of these guys. Most of these guys. So Darnold's big deal. We talked about it on the primetime podcast before the combine of he didn't plan on throwing. The thing I found interesting is I was waiting for after the fact, after we had that discussion, I was waiting for, I'm like, oh, crap. I forgot Brandon Whedon said, oh, I'm not going to throw. Planned to not throw. Then went to the combine, saw everyone throwing, and then just picked up a football and said, fuck it, I'm throwing. And then just started doing the drill. On the fly, off the cuff, just said, you know what? Screw it. I'm doing the drill. I'm throwing at the combine. And just started throwing. We didn't see that from Darnold. And Darnold in his interview said, you know, I'm I wanted to stick with my gut. When I make a decision, I'm gonna stick with my gut. That's decision what you want. That's what you do want it. to
0: that's what you want to see.
1: Then on the other side, you've got Baker Mayfield. To me, and I said this on the onside kick this week. You hear the cliche all the time when you listen to like the the Mike Mayox, the Rich Eisen's, the all the draft experts the one thing they keep fucking saying about the combine is you got to check the boxes, check the boxes. You check the boxes, check the boxes, you're checking all the right boxes. You're checking boxes. That's all you're doing at the combine. <laughs>
0: you're, you're, filling out a form of the doctor's <laughs> That's office. all you're doing.
1: You're checking boxes and you're making sure you're checking the right ones and not checking the wrong ones. Baker Mayfield is a guy that I hate to use that cliche, but he checked all the right boxes And like I told Mark yesterday on the onside kick, the hype is sitting there for Baker Mayfield, and I just put the whole thing on my plate. I just put the whole fucking thing on my plate and said I'm in. I am in on Baker Mayfield. Not in my top five, but he's close for me. He's number six. Then on the side of Josh Rosen, a lot of the stuff going on now, especially, I don't know, did you hear what Peter King said yesterday about Josh Rosen? No. So what he said, he said it on ESPN. And I think he also said, I think he originally said it on the Dan Patrick show. He said, when it comes to Rosen, he says the NFL has a distrust of rich kids. They have a distrust of kids who come from like a rich family. And of course, everyone in their grandmother is comparing it over to, ooh, like Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel came from a rich upbringing and... With Josh Rosen, now the big question with him right now following the combine is from what I'm hearing from everyone, it's that distrust that Peter King said, but also what I heard Todd McShay say today, where he goes, Josh Rosen's a guy where if you give him criticism, he asks you why everything you tell him to change something. Why? We're changing a scheme. Why do this with your feet? Why do this? Why? And he goes, it could be good. Some people could see that as, Oh, he wants to know why, but for coaches, it's annoying for most coaches. I tell you what to do and you do it. Don't ask why, but then there's another side of it where Todd McShay also went into where there are stories coming out that when he would be on different pages than his receivers, that when he would give criticisms to his receivers, that it would come in a condescending way. Of course, all this is just knowledge coming in from other sources. Like Todd McShay said, when you get coaches like UCLA's that was let go, of course they're going to let information go now because it's like, screw it, I don't have to lose my job because I already lost it at UCLA. I want to ask you what you think. Start with any of the three you want. What is your kind of barometer of these three quarterbacks right now following the combine?
0: Well, the first one I want to start with is actually Sam Darnold. I knew it. I and, knew that's the one you are going to start with. And yes, he didn't throw, which is why I, I put him down on my board. Mm-hmm. And yes, I still think that there is a bit of a question with confidence. I won't say concern. I'll say question. Competitive nature. Um, But he's humble. Mm-hmm. He's a humble guy. He's a humble kid. And, you know, he's a he's a USC guy. He's not far from UCLA on the other mm-hmm. side where you have someone who's not quite, you as wouldn't humble. use the word, humble no. with Josh Rosen. But Darnold seems to be humble. And I think as a quarterback, as a quarterback coming into the league, as a quarterback who very well could go to the Cleveland Browns, we mm-hmm. don't know, you need to be able to have that type of mentality, that type of attitude and demeanor. To be able to come into the NFL, Mm -hmm. Um, especially at the beginning, because if you can set a tone early, I mean, look at Tom Brady. Look at Peyton Manning. They're humble. They don't go out there. They don't try and live in the limelight. They don't try. Not that they not that they couldn't. Mm -hmm. Not that they couldn't. But they're just humble guys. Drew Brees. And they're all good. Mm -hmm. And they've all won a Super Bowl.
1: Would you say Aaron Rodgers is humble? Mm-hmm. He kind of rides the line, right?
0: Yeah. I wouldn't say that he's like an a-hole, but I wouldn't say that, wow, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he's a really humble guy. Yeah. No. Mm -mm. Um, He's somewhere in the middle. Uh, With with Baker Mayfield, truly, I think Baker is just really confident. I'm in love. I think. I'm in love. You know what's so funny (laughs) is that. I remember when we sat here uh-huh. and we talked about uh-huh. him versus Kansas. Uh-huh. I don't I just I don't think that he could be a good quarterback because uh-huh. he's not a good leader. I wanted to smack you.
1: Um He checked all the right boxes. What but here's the say? thing, though.
0: Here's the thing. Like I'm dreaming. I don't want a quarterback to just check boxes. Uh-huh. I don't want a player to just check boxes. I want a player to do more than that. Thing- I want I want a player to just do the right things, not because they know. Ooh, checked another one off. Mm-hmm. Because that's who they are. Because that's the type of player they are, and that's the type of person mm-hmm. they are. Well, not just doing it for show. Not just doing it to try and get a good draft. Uh, to, 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 have, to be mm-hmm. taking it with a good draft pick and get a good contract. Which I get it, but I want somebody who's not just faking it till they make mm-hmm. it. I want. Someone I don't get that. Who is? Who they are.
1: I don't get th- From this following week, don't get that attitude with Baker Mayfield. Like, the whole thing, like you just said, I don't get it at all. When I say check the boxes, I mean he did exactly at the combine what he had to do. All the questions that people had about him, all the questions I had about him, he erased them. He erased them. Like I told Mark on the onside kick, I was listening to him talk, and he's talking about how... Like, someone asked him, oh, what if you got drafted by the Browns? He's like, I just want to play football. I want to play football. I want to come. I want to be successful for my team. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm thinking, the Browns need to draft him. The Browns need to take Saquon number one, let the Giants figure out whoever the hell they're going to take, then let the Colts deal with whoever the hell they're going to take or trade. Baker will probably be there at four. You can get Saquon and Baker. And the thing I love most about Baker following combine week is he's going to be a guy because of his upbringing because he's a guy that and I mean you could say well Ricky you could have said this before but everything's starting to click now where in college think of it where like you recently said something about social media in your that's what I think think of the college Baker as like that middle school kid where it's like yeah you did stupid stuff but if you do stupid stuff as an eighth grader and a seventh grader, colleges and stuff go ah you were a stupid kid. But if you do it in high school, then they go, eh, you're not a kid anymore. You're not a kid. You're more of an adult than you were. You can't use that excuse. From what he did at the combine, basically made people look at him and go, you know, that's not who he is. He n- lapse of judgment stupid college kid he learned and the thing that I love most about him is because he like after hearing him talk I can feel it to where he's gonna be a guy even 15 years as a pro will have that chip on his shoulder could be and I'm just throwing it out there could be a five-time Super Bowl champion could be this could be that he will still have that chip on his shoulder he's a guy that's gonna have that chip forever And that's the thing I love most about. Like, everyone's saying, like, Colin Cowherd said, oh, but, you know, he's cocky and confident. No, most accurate. He was basically shitting all over Baker Mayfield. And I go, I believe him when he says, I'm not cocky, I'm confident. Because to me, like I told Mark on the onside kick, most people who are confident have a little bit of cockiness to it. You can be cocky and not be an asshole. You can be cocky and not be, what's the word I'm looking for? Not uh, not like an asshole, but like arrogant. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, he can be cocky, but be confident. And I want that in a quarterback because of when you look at the guy, one of the guys, he said he wants to emulate, which is Brett Favre. Brett Favre was cocky. Was Brett Favre arrogant? Maybe, but like... It wasn't an arrogant words like, man, Brett Favre's an asshole. No, it was like, wow, Brett Favre loves to play this game, thinks he's a really good quarterback, and he's cocky enough to say, eh, that's a pinhole. That's a pinhole. Nah, I can fit this football through it and just throw it into triple coverage that's why right now I'm high on Baker Mayfield and why he sits at six on my big board.
0: Well, so let me just say this really quickly about Baker Mayfield. I Mm -hmm. love Baker Mayfield. I think he's a great quarterback. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. But um, So a lot of people could knock him because he's a six-foot quarterback and many six-foot quarterbacks don't make it in the NFL. Like you
1: said, he wants to emulate Brett Favre and Drew Brees. He
0: he was a guy, though, that— in college, he was a playmaker. He didn't just mm-hmm. sit back there and throw passes. He, if a play broke down, he could use his wheels mm-hmm. and run for fifty yards. Or I mean, that was one of the plays the that he. Play that's one of the plays it. that he had against TCU. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that in the? Um, was that Big Twelve uh, conference game or something like that? Uh, was it a championship game? Big Twelve championship game. Uh, I think it was. TCU, and I, I'm right. I know I am. Um, that's <laughs> happens all the time. Okay, you're but, right, Brandon. Um, I'll still look it
1: up to fact check you.
0: <laughs> you should, but I, I, I know I am. Um but he's a, he's a good passer. He's a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. He, he, he found ways to do that in, in college, and I do believe because he's a playmaker, he's a true playmaker, he'll find ways to do that in the NFL. And he, if he goes to a team where he has some weapons, and believe it or not, I'll say it again, I've said it in, in shows before. I've said it on my own show that I said that the Browns should should take Kirk Cousins. I still fully believe that. But he could go to the Browns. He has playmakers there, and he'll definitely have a playmaker because they'll have already drafted Saquon Barkley. So it's it's something where Baker Mayfield is going to be just fine wherever he goes because of that chip, Ricky. That he's gonna be fine because he's gonna have that. He's never going to be searching for confidence. No. I really don't believe that. Even he's the type of guy who can start mm-hmm. in a game, let's say week four, and then they say, Okay, we're gonna bench you. Again, in week nine. And he'll work to get the okay. job back. He's okay because he's going to be so mm-hmm. hungry to get back being the starter. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be, woe is me on the bench. It's not mm-hmm. going to be, oh, now I'm just a clipboard holder, blah, blah, blah. No, it's going to be, I'm going to be in every single one of those huddles where there's where the starting quarterback is. I'm going to be getting information. I'm going to be sharing my thoughts. That's where I'm going to be, and that's what's going to make him a winning quarterback well, in the NFL. It's
1: like two guys I want to look at. One is the GOAT Tom Brady, how competitive he is, where basically he's a guy where I'm a starter, and I'm going to work as hard so Jimmy G doesn't take my job, or I'm going to push Jimmy G out of town. You can believe that also. The one question I was going to ask you, did you mean Texas Tech or did you mean TCU? I thought I said TCU. Oh, I thought you said Texas Tech.
0: I don't know. If I said Texas Tech, I obviously meant TCU. Okay. Obviously, T-C- I meant TCU. TCU,
1: they played in the Big 12 championship game. They did, however, they'll play Texas Tech on Halloween weekend. So they you could did. You been I watched about that. either game.
0: I watched that game. Could have been
1: talking about either one. So no, that's why so it
0: was it TCU. Was, it was TCU. That's that's
1: The 41-17 win in the Big 12 Championship. That's uh-huh. what
0: you're talking yes, about. Yes, okay. that's what I meant.
1: And the other one I was going to mention, though, is Carson Wentz. Where Carson Wentz gets injured, I'm not just going to sit there and, oh, what was me? I'm now not going to play. It's, hey, Nick, I'm going to help you out. That's the kind of player that Baker Mayfield's going to be, and I'm absolutely, like I said, I'm in love. Yeah. I'm in love. Last guy I want to ask you though nope. about is the Josh Rose. Yep,
0: I was gonna say <laughs> because
1: yeah. everything that they're saying about him, do you buy into it? And are they huge red flags for you?
0: So, um, the first thing I want to say before I go off into talking a little bit mm-hmm. about the story I read on him earlier today is that he's. I mean, he's more of your pure pocket passer. Mm-hmm. He ain't gonna do much outside that pocket.
1: Roma, looking at his um, film, he looked exactly like Matt Ryan to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um and uh, injuries. Mm-hmm. You know, uh is he going to be a guy who's going to be able to now stay healthy once he's in the NFL? Mm-hmm. Because in college, you know, he misses a, a, a mostly a, a full a season. Year. I mean, he he does and he even got injured here um you know this this past year at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing. I don't think serious, but still another injury, and that's well. Just, he was
1: injured for the ball. That's game.
0: just not something that you <laughs> want to um, see from your quarterback, mm-hmm. and that's now a couple of times. Yeah. It's not one thing, and it was a quick minor stinger. Mm-hmm. It was you got injured, mm-hmm. you out. Um, so you don't want to see that uh, in the NFL, and a team does not want to be drafting an injury bug. Mm-hmm. Um, so. The story I read, though, and it's interesting, I mean, it kind of touches on points that you already brought up is that NBA, you have guys like LeBron James who are happy to not just dribble a basketball and are willing to give their opinions on politics mm-hmm. or culture or whatever they are. They
1: have a life outside and of basketball.
0: They have a life outside of basketball, and they have a voice outside of basketball. Mm-hmm. Greg Popovich is the exact same. Mm-hmm. And people like that. People hate it on one side, but they really like and respect it on another. Mm-hmm. However, uh, the person who wrote this story, it was on SI.com. I can't remember who it was that that wrote it. But talked about how is the n f l ready i outside- i mean outside of course of you know the whole kneeling for the national anthem and everything, are they ready to have a quarterback be someone to come out and be extremely vocal, whether it be politically, mm-hmm. whether it be this that, or the other thing would they want that and Josh rosen is very much has shown that he's very much a guy who is willing to. Basically, walked to the beat of his own drum, Mm -hmm. and has worn an I think a F U C K Trump hat. I mean, very definitely against Trump. um, Has had you know already kind of gone into the political uh, spectrum in college. The stuff that he's done in in college with you know the the hot tub in his room, knowing that he's coming from a family that does have money, but he has said, Josh Rosen has said that, yes, I have come from a family that, he said, I'm not a Ferrari for my 16th birthday rich, Mm -hmm. but I haven't had the same struggles that my teammates have had. And he said, that has made my love and passion for football that much greater because I realize how lucky I am to be playing this game and not have, you know, the the issues and the, the struggles that other guys, many other guys do. And he said, so I am that much more appreciative of my opportunity to play this game. Mm-hmm. And he said, that's what makes me love it. And I, I'm very torn on Josh Rosen in, term, uh, in terms of how he will be character-wise. Because I'm not sure where he's at. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure where he's at. He's kind of all over the board with things. I mean, I don't care that he wants to go and he wants to, you know, have a mind of politics. Good. You should. You should care about what's going on. But our people, our, our NFL coaches, our NFL GMs, our NFL owners who... As many of them want to stand with their players for things, they're conservative. Mm -hmm. Is that going to affect them? You know, is that going to affect them when they're looking at Rosen and seeing some of these things? Hopefully, not. Hopefully, you just look at his ability as a quarterback and. You know, you, I mean, you send scouts out. I mean, we've all seen draft day. You know, that's about as real to life as it gets, right? <laughs> yeah, because that's, um, how, cause Kevin that's Co- how trades cause work. Because Kevin Costner's all in all of the draft yeah. rooms. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you send guys out. You get information mm-hmm. on them. But it is, and I know that he's denied it, but it is not great to hear that when he says things and he talks to his players, in the huddle that his teammates roll their eyes at him.
1: Well, they like Todd McShay said, where it's like he, when he tries to give criticism, it comes as condescending. That comes to me as I'm better than you. I know I'm right. You're wrong. Like, like I've dealt with, I'll put it this example where when I was in college, one of my best friends played clarinet with me in the band, same instrument as me. Whenever he would go to like, give me help. Like, Try to, like, oh, you're doing something wrong. Although I was doing something wrong, he said it, he always said it in the most condescending way to where my thought wasn't, oh, thank you for helping me. It was like, get the fuck out of my face. (laughs) Like, that's the reaction that I had because of it. And one of the things that they mentioned, like, when you were talking about the whole um, voice thing, like having a voice, the NBA— is very individual, like it is on the stars, the stars drive the league, whereas in the NFL, like they said on NFL Live, you're supposed to come in and the NFL wants you to be all about football. You're all about football, it's all for the shield, the shield over individuality. Whereas in the NBA, stars drive the league, it's all about the star LeBron James compared to the logo That he plays for.
0: And will Rosen be able to do that? You know, will he be able to? And it's not a... I don't want to look at it as a shut up and play football. But will he Mm -hmm. be able to put aside some of that and make it about the team? Make it about, you know, I don't want to bring up distractions Mm -hmm. for my team and stuff like that because of something I did, something I said. I think it
1: comes down to the locker room in the end. The, The whole, like... The condescending thing, the even the asking why at everything, like even like, oh, we're going to change the scheme. Why? I think that I have a feeling that he's going to rub a few people the wrong way and either create not a huge divide, but a little divide in a locker room or just annoy a coach to be like, stop fucking say it's like a kid. Well, why is the sky blue? Well, because Why? Why Ricky, why
0: you were that why? kid. I was that, you kid. that kid. You were that kid. So still I know are how now.
1: annoying I can be. But like that's how I kind of feel. He's either gonna rub a coach the wrong way to where they're gonna go, No, I don't wanna draft him. And I feel like some coaches are gonna say, you know what? I don't wanna deal with it. I don't wanna deal with someone who's gonna be a headache. Well wait.
0: However, after all that, I still think that Josh Rosen is probably the most uh pro ready quarterback. Out of all of them.
1: Oh, talent-wise, yeah. Talent-wise, yeah, Talent-wise, he is. That's why I have him in my top 15. That's why I have him here, because there's a team, even if he falls to 15, the Cardinals will take him. If he falls to 15, the Cardinals will take him. Like, that's the lowest I think he falls. I think in the last mock draft, I had him a little higher, but I think, like, Mel Kiper, Todd McShay had him going to the Dolphins, which I'm doing this at, because it's like, You know Ryan Tannehill's coming back, right? Unless you don't believe Ryan Tannehill's the guy. Any final thoughts on anyone between 6 through 15 before we move on? Nope. Well, this is where you guys come in yet again. Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section about the quarterbacks, Denzel Ward, Marcus Davenport, any of the guys, and also our 6 through 15. But Brandon, let's close out the podcast, and I'll be honest. We have been going for a while. Like Stewie Griffin would say, not while, for a while.
0: Well, we got here at 7.30. Yep. It is 10.06. It is. And we got one segment to go. We got our top
1: five of the big board. If you guys are on Blog Talk Radio and podcast services around the world, you guys are full troopers. If you're on YouTube, you're only watching one segment. Check out the rest of them. You got to be troopers, just like the ones listening to the full podcast on podcast services. Also, mostvaluedpodcast.com. Can't leave that out. But Brandon... Starting with you. Take us through your top five.
0: All right. For me at number five, I've got Roquan Smith, the linebacker from Georgia. At four, I've got Bradley Chubb, the defensive end from NC State. At three, I've got Minka Fitzpatrick, the defensive backer from Alabama. Number two, I've got Josh Allen, quarterback from Wyoming. And number one, Saquon Barkley, running back, Penn State.
1: I'm going to be completely honest. Put mine up. There's not much of a difference. Roquan Smith, number five. You got Minka Fitzpatrick, number four. Bradley Chubb, number three. Those are about the only two changes. Then Josh Allen, number two. Saquon Barkley, number one. Me and you, consistent in the top five, except we switched Chubb and Fitzpatrick. guy I want to talk about, though, mainly is Josh Rosen, because holy crap. Allen. Josh Allen. Holy crap. Did you see the 70-yard bomb he threw at the Combine? That thing was beautiful. However, I'm going to ask the question, should we be buying the hype with Josh Allen or the other side of the table, will he be the biggest bust of the draft? Because there are still that side that think, man, hype him up so much just so he falls a little bit harder. When he gets to the NFL,
0: well, but here's the thing: you could say that about anybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times do I have to keep saying this? Right now, all we're going on on people is hype. I mean, (laughs) there's—I love hype. I I just I got to go back to, and I know it's machine, Brandon. I know it's not the same.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Jamarcus Russell, the J Russell hustle, baby. I, I mean, talk about fallen on just a pile of hype because that's about all he had to fall back on was Mm -hmm. hype because the talent wasn't there. I mean, he stunk. Yet, you know, everyone, you know, was hyping him up. You know, this, oh, he's going to be great. And then he wasn't. So that's, that could happen anytime to anybody. I don't think that's going to happen with Josh Allen. Now, do I think that we should uh, peg Josh Allen as... Oh, gosh, this guy is going to be the next big thing. He's winning. A, he's I almost said a World Series. He's winning. He's he's not going to win a World Series, but he's winning a Super Bowl next year. No, but I don't think that we also should be saying, all right, guys, we better watch out. He's going to be the, the, you know, the boomer bus guy. Mm-hmm. I, no, I just don't think so. I just don't think so. He's clearly got the talent and he's got the tools his arms his his accuracy yes people will knock him accuracy can be fixed mm-hmm. i know people will people will say two things well his receivers weren't really good and then people will say well his receivers were actually better than some of the other guys receivers accuracy can be fixed mm-hmm. he's got great arm strength He is really good in that. Clearly, a 70-yard bomb. Are you
1: kidding me? I loved it. When I think it was Mike Mayock, it might have been Rich Eisen. After he threw that large bomb, it was Rich Eisen. So after he throws the first one, he goes, wow, that went from, like, the 10 to the 30. And then he goes, oh, now he's just just showing off now. Now he's he's just showing off. Like, you could tell watching him, all right, the footwork was a little shaky at first, but like Mayock said— as it goes on, they're going to get more comfortable. But all of that, he all was, of that just, can be. He was just feeling it then.
0: But what I'm telling you is that what I'm, what I'm trying to tell you, because you like mm-hmm. to hear yourself talk, so you just do. keep doing I do. that. Um, what I'm trying to tell you is that all of that can be worked on. Mm-hmm. All of that is. You can you can coach that and be like, well, this is how your footwork has to be. Well, no, and no, this no. Is,
1: He wasn't uh, saying like—
0: I'm not—I don't give a shit what Mike Mayock said. I'm telling you what Brandon Swanson's saying. You can change your footwork. Yeah. He can change that. That's going to lead to improved confidence. I don't give a damn what Mike Mayock said. I'm no, telling you what I'm, I'm, I'm saying,
1: saying. I'm saying like it's not like a— oh, no, this is a negative, it's just like Well, it is a negative right now.
0: His his footwork is not as good as it should be.
1: how they were talking about it was like a, if I just said, hey, Brandon, start doing this drill, and you start to do it, you start doing the reps, obviously your footwork isn't going to be crystal clear right from the start because you're going to be a little cold. Then as he got into it, it was like, okay, that's what we see from his footwork. That's what it is. At the beginning, it was just him... First, just working into it, working into the drill, getting used to being at the combine, being with the new receiver. And really, that's the thing that I looked at. What's one of the biggest knocks everyone said? Well, he didn't have anyone to throw to, and he was throwing to lesser guys. He got to throw to—there was one time he was matched up with one of the receivers from Oklahoma State. Threw a big bomb to him, I believe. And it's like, you're working with those receivers— he looked pretty good throwing to those receivers. So, to me, take that knock. Just take the pencil and erase it because
0: that's not a knock to me anymore. He'll throw to anyone, he won't care who it is. I think that for Josh Allen, he probably has the he probably has the highest ceiling out of any of the quarterbacks. No, he does. Just because we don't we don't we haven't seen probably even the best days of Josh Allen mm-hmm. yet and that is What some could say is a little scary, but what others would say is, okay, we have something to really look forward to. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, with his arm strength and then with better footwork, I think comes better arm strength, comes better accuracy, comes more confidence, which is what I was trying to say to you Mm -hmm. before, but you had other things in mind. And that's what is going to make him possibly, possibly the best quarterback out of the draft class.
1: Well, and here's the thing I want to ask you. So we're obviously big boarding it. So this is without team needs, just best players off the board. Two-part question. Number one, throw the Browns in there. I think I've asked you this before. Obviously, you put Saquon number one. He's the guy going first. Could you see an argument Where the Browns say, you know what, we're going to pass on Saquon Barkley number one. We're going to take a Josh Allen number one. And if you don't see that and you're like, you know what, the Browns have it, do then the Giants at two. Take Josh Allen where both you and me have him slotted on the big board. Right at two.
0: Um, to your first part, I would say uh, no with the Browns only because the Browns are going to go for the safer option mm-hmm. uh, because they have already been burned. Uh, when I say burned, they've really burned themselves uh, in terms Mumerous of quarter, in terms of quarterback. So I don't think they'll go with someone like Allen right away. Only because. As good as they believe he could be, the Browns have been the team of could be on quarterbacks, Mm -hmm. and it just has not worked out. So they're going to go for a safer option if they're going to go quarterback at number one. The Giants have a little time because with their new head coach coming in there and saying that Eli Manning has five years left, you know, or still has years in the tank, they have some time to be able to bring Allen in, work with him. Have him work under Eli, Mm -hmm. the only guy who can beat the Patriots until, you know, Foles came in. And then after those years of Eli are over. Hand the reins off to Allen, and then he's ready to be the Josh Allen, the you know, in the full. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just, I, I think that it's more realistic that the Giants would take him there than the Browns going number one with him because of the fact that again, the Browns could fully understand that if they went with him, they could be getting a really good product. Mm-hmm. But the Browns need the Browns need to be a little safer. The Browns need everything,
1: basically. They almost need everything. When you're zero sixteen, anything is on the table. Even a head coach. That's for Mark Weber. He knew. I knew Mark wanted me to throw that one in there, but no. Like the the Browns. Same thing with you. Mainly because, like I said, they're going to go Saquon. They're going to go um, Baker Mayfield at four. The Giants are. They've been inter- talking like to you. The, yeah, the Giants are an interesting one though because you could take them. Like I would like that. Take them at two. Sit them behind. Um, Sit him behind Eli, let him develop. Because you've got Eli, then you've got Josh Allen. Josh Allen can be your quarterback of the future. However, I could also see Josh Allen being the guy to get some trade offers. Because there's kind of a situation of what is Denver going to want to do. Is Denver going to want, do they want a Baker Mayfield guy? Do they want a Josh Rosen guy? Do they want a Darnold guy? Or do they want a Josh Allen guy? Like, you look at where John Elway has been. He's obviously looking at everyone. He's looked at Josh Rosen. He's been to the bowl game for Josh Allen. You can put your money on it that the scouts for the Broncos are putting extensive notes on every one of the quarterbacks that they could either... See it five or trade up two from five. That's a team like the two teams I see Josh Allen sitting behind Eli or going into a starting situation where you're gonna like obviously you're gonna fight for the job, but I see him winning the job because he's better than Trevor Simeon and better than Paxton Lynch. I want to ask you this: Is the Giant situation the better situation, or would it be better for him to start in Denver? With a team with a, like, I know on paper the Giant defense is good, but they weren't too good last year. That Bronco defense being what it is, however, you've got the question with the two wide receivers you like to question where Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, they're done at the end of the year. So you only get one year of them possibly if you're Josh Allen.
0: Uh, well, right now the Giants need to find five new offensive lines mm-hmm. uh, because not one of them could protect Eli last year. No. Uh, so, again— So Josh Allen
1: could play if Eli gets sacked a bunch of times and gets injured.
0: <laughs> but at the same time, though, that's going to lead to probably worser numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Denver didn't have the best offensive line either, but— um, you know that's it kind of comes down to that you know that that situation too it's not even just the wide receivers mm-hmm. and what are the you know the tools not excuse me not the tools but the options that you have around you it's yeah. are, are you going to be protected are you even going to have time to be able to throw to them mm-hmm. and that's that's going to be the the question in New York where I do think New York would be the better fit i i wouldn't hate to see you put in a quarterback back there trying to see what he's got and literally having him run for his life because Mm -hmm. your offensive line is the poorest of the poor. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's going to be something that New York's going to have to look at as well.
1: Here's one guy I want to ask about getting away from Josh Allen for the first time in this segment, Roquan Smith. He's a guy for me only rose one spot from the 2.0. He was at 6, now he's at 5. You though had him rise from. Th- I think Roquan's your bi- your highest riser for big board number three. You had him at thirteen. Now you got him at five. What are you liking from Roquan Smith that he's in your top five now?
0: Well, he's fast. Um, he's got great instincts. He's quick. Um, that's that's one of the things again that you saw. I think in the last couple of games with Georgia, especially in that game in the second half against Oklahoma Mm -hmm. in the playoff game and what I liked from that is that Roquan Smith was really kind of held down in that first half but what did he do he kept fighting and his name was being said a whole lot more in the second half so he's a guy who's not going to give up either Mm -hmm. and that means he's got some heart so with his quickness with his strength and with his heart um, I think that those are all things that are going to line up pretty nicely for him. Is he undersized? Yeah, they'll say he's undersized for his position. And that's where he's going to have to use his speed a little bit more. And and that's okay. That's like another guy that we talked about earlier. Um, uh, gosh, what was his what was his name? I couldn't remember it. Davenport. Davenport, Marcus Davenport. Um, you know they're gonna say that. Oh, you know, is he? And you even brought it up too. Well, is he big enough? Does he is? Does he have enough upper body strength? You know, he's got mm-hmm. the lower body strength and everything, and his legs and and all. But it, it, you know, if he's got some speed, he can use that to his, in his in, to his advantage as well. Uh, so that's that's why I look at Roquan Smith and I say, hey, this guy's going to be pretty good.
1: Well, the thing that I look at is. They categorize him as a linebacker at the combine. It doesn't matter if you categorize him as an inside or an outside. He ran a four-five-one 40-yard dash. Do you want me to give you the outstanding number or the average number? Give me both. So which one do you want first? You pick. The average number. So for inside linebackers, it's a four-seven seven. seven for outside linebackers it's a 472 so he's above that the outstanding numbers for both of them 465 he's about nearly over 0. .10 less than what you want from an outstanding so he's got the speed yeah he's got the speed and that's all he did at the combine didn't do didn't do anything else didn't jump didn't uh press didn't um, cone drill or anything Just ran the 40, and he knocked it out of the park. Like, to me, speed kills. Like, this would be a Raiders thing. Just, you know what? Let's take them. Let's go ahead and take them. One thing I do want to ask you to kind of close up everything, because, like, Minka and Bradley Chubb, we've talked about them before. Yeah, Minka, like, Minka, he had the same thing. Today was the pro day for Alabama. Him and a bunch of other players decided they're not going to do anything. They did it at the Combine, but they did interviews anyways. I don't really know if we have anything extra to add on Chubb and Minka. Like, they're three and four. The only difference we had is one spot between them. I want to ask you about two guys that aren't on our big board, but these are Combine questions At best. The first one I want to ask you, and I asked Mark the same thing. What were your thoughts when Lamar Jackson decided, I am not going to run the 40 at the combine. I'll run it at my pro day because I'm not a wide receiver. I'm a quarterback.
0: Yeah. I I thought that that meant that he did not want to – I almost thought that it meant that he didn't run it one well, he did not want to run it too well and have people say, "Well, look, this guy's really fast. Mm-hmm. He should just be a wide receiver instead." And which mm-hmm. would be a really uh, you know, I think kind of a crappy thing for people to to say because he's a quarterback. He's mm-hmm. got great athleticism, but that shouldn't mean that he's any less of a quarterback.
1: Now I'm going to ask you the follow-up question, to Lamar Jackson. I believe if I'm not mistaken, his pro day is March 29th. When they asked him at the Combine, all right, you're not running it, but if you ran it today, how fast would you run it? He said, 4-3, no problem. Do you think on Louisville's Pro Day we're going to get a 4 three forty from Lamar Jackson? You could.
0: you definitely could. We could,
1: but do you think we're actually going to get the 4 3
0: I think he'll be around probably a 4-4. W-
1: would he be quicker than the second guy I was going to ask you about, and this is the last thing, that I want to get your opinion on a guy who had the fastest 40 from the combine that people are starting to talk about. Dave made the thing of like, yeah, he can run fast, but is it going to be a Darius Hayward Bay situation of like, he just can't catch anything, even though he can run fast. DJ Chark ran the fastest 40, 4.340 for a wide receiver, 40 vertical jump, which was in the outstanding range. A one twenty nine broad jump which is phenomenal for the wide receiver position. Do you, where do you see him moving forward? Because he's not—this was a guy on none of our big boards. None of our big boards for the 3.0. point
0: Yeah. Well, clearly I didn't look at him moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, LSU guy, too. I don't know. I mean, I don't really know how to answer your question uh, because I— would need to look more into him because that's obviously not a guy that I was looking at for my big board. So that'd be someone who I'd look at next time and see what he continues to do throughout his time. Cause we still have plenty of weeks mm-hmm. until we actually are, are going to be looking at the draft. So I would say that, uh, you know, he's, if he's already got all those all those things working for him, he's certainly going to be rising. And it's what else is he going to be doing?
1: Because I find it funny that most of the guys, as I just look at the forty times from the combine, DJ Chark, guy we haven't talked about, a guy we talked about during the season, but haven't talked about him in the draft at all. Antonio Callaway, remember his name? He ran yeah,
0: suspended a, for most of the yeah, season. He
1: ran a four four one forty, and then a guy in Dion Kane who was. The wide receiver from Clemson ran a 4 3 All of these quicker than the guys that we talked about early on. However, with wide receiver, it's not about, it's like Dave said. Like when he said, oh, is it going to be a Darius Hayward-Base situation? You can run a 4 3 but can you catch the ball? Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned earlier the Ted Ginn comparison to Calvin Ridley. Well, yeah, that's great, but can you catch the ball? Are you going to drop it like yeah. Ted Ginn did, yeah. especially when it was on my fantasy team? Not going to forget that, Ted. Never going to forget that. He cost me that week. I think they were playing against the Colts, too. He just right through the hands. It was on a Monday night. Yeah, it was because he dropped it right through his hands and it would have won me that game. I'm never going to forget that. I actually tag. think he
0: needed to, to, to drop that. that pass for me. So I'm glad yeah, he did. Well,
1: good luck for you. Good thing for you. Bad thing for me. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below about our entire big board. If you're watching on YouTube and not watching the full podcast on YouTube, Go check out the other segments. They are a hoot and a handy. We went really long. A hoot and a dandy? Is that what I'm looking you,
0: for? You said a hoot and a handy. <laughs> yeah, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Hoot, I, messed it I believe up. it's called a hoot and a half. Yeah, a
1: hoot and a half or something like that. Whatever. Brandon helps me out. But you guys let us know what you think down below. Housekeeping here at the end. If you want to make sure we can do the stupid stuff we do, like right now, go check out patreon.com backslash most Podcast. Also, go and check out our store links. You can get an MVP t shirt because we have those down below in our store on the link. Most podcast.com that's where you get everything from MVP. And last but not least, go ahead on Apple Podcasts and iTunes to give the podcast a five-star rating. I want to thank you guys for watching on YouTube. I want to thank you guys for listening to podcast services around the world. But as always, have a good day, everybody. And have a hoot
0: in a handy. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.